This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Have you snagged your copy of my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs yet? What are you waiting for? Go get them right now. Just go to markstrucheski.com forward slash five tips. That's the number five T-I-P-S. Markstrucheski.com forward slash five tips. Get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs right now at markstrucheski.com forward slash five tips. Sherilyn Decker is a best-selling author, speaker, and coach. For the past 15 years, she has helped hundreds hear, experience, and lead from the voice of clarity so they can fulfill their purpose with bold confidence. Sherilyn, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. I am excited about the topic we're going to talk today, although I will will say this to the listener because I don't hide anything from my listener. Sherilyn says, you know, you did a video podcast a few weeks ago and you talked about our topic today and she said, well, what are we going to talk about? And I said, Sherilyn, that was an eight minute video. This is going to be longer than eight minutes. And she goes, okay, we can still do the episode. Phew. I'm so glad that she agreed to do that. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're going to talk about uh, your, your layoff. You got laid off. I got fired back in July, 2005. And I wonder every day, I literally wonder about this. Had I not gotten fired from my job in July of 2005, would I have the Mark Stuchowski podcast? Would I be in productivity? Would I be a trainer and a coach and a speaker? I don't know. So I am very thankful I was fired. I was not thankful then, but I am very thankful now. Yeah, that's so true. This is those hindsight moments when we're like, oh my goodness, this was a pivotal turn. And we can look back and be like, I can't believe I'm going to say that that was the best thing that ever happened. It's cliche, right? People say that all the time, but you're like, yeah, I wouldn't have had the podcast. You wouldn't be a coach. You wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be talking right now. All the world has opened to us just because of something very difficult that we walked through at the time that has turned out to be a very big, very big source of strength for us. And I think a lot of people, as we go through life, they, they look at the situation in the moment and they make judgments and they have feelings based on the moment because you're in the moment, you're in the forest and you can't see the trees. But if you allow yourself to zoom out and you go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I see what's going on now because when we're in these situations, we can't now. I, I can't speak for you. I can't speak for my listeners, but I'm an evangelical Christian. And I believe God is the pot in the clay. He's orchestrating my life. And there's a reason why I was fired as part of his plan. There is a reason why I made hardly any money from July, 2005 until the end of the summer of 2020, believe it or not, about 16, 17 years. I spent money I didn't have on stuff I didn't need. I just thought the magic of courses and coaches and conferences. And, but I need to go through all that stuff. And then he finally said, okay, are you ready to learn from real people who know how to get you to get you where you want to go? And I'm finally at that point now. And I share that because a lot of people come on podcasts. You've heard the podcast interviews. They were born successful. They are born with a trillion dollars in a private plane. That's not reality. And I find I get more people listening to me when I share my struggles because they think, wow, I thought it was just me. No, you're not the only person who's got laid off or gotten fired or had someone, uh, they lost their lives because of COVID. We all have. And we're in, more people are struggling than are not. 
That's exactly right. And that's why I love podcasts like what you're doing, because it gives people hope that in the middle of their hot mess, they can get out because someone else did it. And that's one of the things I love about stories and about personal stories is it gives people something to hold on to while they're in the middle of their storm. So you have a book called Roarback. You were laid off. So walk us through, take us before you got laid off. Did you know it was coming? Did you see the signs or was it an utter surprise to you? I did see the signs. And if I can rewind a little bit, I was in a corporate America job for, I had been there for probably 12 years and I had gotten in a place of dissatisfaction and really kind of up on my high horse with who I was and all of my stuff, right? And then uh, that led me to look, look elsewhere because I was unhappy instead of just sitting in the moment and saying, okay, God, why am I discontent? Because if, if we could have talk about when you have these feelings and then you're acting on these feelings, well, my moving out of my corporate job to a startup was one of those emotional um, paths that I took that I probably should have just sat in that discontent and just struggled with it for a little bit and, you know, done some heart work. But instead, I left and I went to go work for a startup that was a very bad fit for me. And it was toxic work environment. There were so many things wrong, glaring red signs all over the place. But I still went into it anyway. And then we didn't last nine months. They ran out of funding. I ran out of patience. We all kind of ran out of the ability to to live life together under the same startup. So that I kind of saw it coming just because of... Um, what was happening? They were they started to kind of pull back some of my responsibilities. They were moving me to a different project. They had um, uh, asked me to start writing job descriptions for other people, and I'm like, "You didn't hire me for HR, but whatever. <laughs> I'll I'm glad to help. We're, we're lean, so I'll help." And then I was just like, you know, I just heard the little voice inside of me basically saying, you should look for your own job while you're here. Well, I didn't because it was company time and I was not going to be dishonest. And I was like, you know, um, but that still began to plant the seed that maybe something might have happened. But still, at the end of the day, my bank account was still very shocked. <laughs> I bet. I bet. So you were let go, laid off, whatever term you want to use it. When you lose your job, it doesn't matter if you're laid off or you're terminated. You don't have a job anymore. So. I know how I felt when I was fired. I went through these emotions, anger and all this other stuff. I had a very supportive wife. She didn't say I was, you know, what'd you lose your job for or whatever? Cause she knew it was a toxic environment. I was in a toxic environment as well. So in the first couple of days after you were let go, what was going through your mind? Partly relief and then partly worry because all the questions start to surface of now what? Where's the money going to come from? How are we going to make the ends meet? Because in a situation like that, the financial burden was really heavy. We were living, my husband and I, my family were living outside of Washington, D.C. at the time. And it's a very two income family lifestyle. It just is just to just be, you know, middle class really. And so that was just kind of where we were. So we're looking at all of the numbers and they don't add up, right? You're like, you know, what, what do they say? There's more month than, the, than, the, than money. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's where we were. So the reality of all of that was hitting. But also what I was struggling with is, well, now who am I? 
because everything that I was, was attached to what I did. And when that was then removed, I was really face to face with, well, then who am I now? Because I didn't have the title and I didn't have all of those other things that come with, you know, um, working inside of your zone of genius. I wasn't doing that anymore. I was sitting on the couch (laughs) um i'm not supposed to ask this question so feel free to to uh say i'd rather not ask it but how old were you when you were let go oh my gosh Uh, well let's see i was in my mid-30s okay i I just want that for the audience so we can put in the context because you can lose your job at literally any age 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s it doesn't matter I lost my job right when I was around 40. So it happens. It doesn't matter why, unless you did something illegal, you know, we're not going to go on that, that path, but it, it happens. People downsize, pandemic happens, things happen. But I think you had the same thing happen to you as I did. You had a decision. What do I do now? Who am I? And I remember I told my wife, I said, you know, I think I want to be an entre. What's that word? I keep hearing entre, entre, entrepreneur. Yeah, that sounds right. And I didn't know what it was. Certainly couldn't spell it. And today, even today, I had sure. trouble spelling the word entrepreneur. But I, I remember I decided, you know, I'm going to try to do this thing because when you work for yourself, there's no ceiling. When you work for a corporation, there's a ceiling. I mean, let's face it; that's just the way the reality is. And I remember it was scary too. But the key thing for me, and I tell this to everyone, you've got to have a spouse on board 100%. If your spouse, your partner, whatever you call the other person in your life, if they do not fully support you, because I know people who've gone through this problem and they didn't have their spouse to support them and they had to give up on their dreams. You need that support. Would you agree with that? I absolutely do. And I couldn't do what I do without my husband's support. Um, we shifted when we, when I got laid off, we had to shift and have, you know, make a, a conscious choice to live off of his income, which is one of the reasons why we moved out of that area. So we could afford it. Um, we also made choices to say, okay, well, if I'm going to design something that looks like an entrepreneur, what are, what's important to me? And what was really important to me were my kids. I wanted to make sure I could put them on the school bus. I'll never remember, I'll never forget, Mark. I was, you know, putting the kids to bed one night and I think I had like, she was a preschooler at the time. And my youngest was just saying her little nighttime prayers. And she's like, dear God, I just want to ride the school bus. You know, and (laughs) that just breaks your heart because she wasn't riding the school bus. She was riding the short bus that the daycare kids get on to take you to school. And so that's what she was riding. But she had in her mind this big yellow bus to pick her up at the end of the neighborhood, you know, with all the other kids. And so I was a working mom. There was no way I could make that happen. But then to hear her, to be able to fulfill her dream of riding the school bus. Now she's like, mom, can you drive me to school? The school bus is lame. I'm like, no. <laughs> How old are your kid- kiddos? So I have, now I have a middle schooler and a high schooler. Oh, wow. So it's been a hot minute. <laughs> uh, my daughters are 27 and 24, but I remember high school. I remember the projects and I remember them going back to school every fall They'd come home and go, I got to sell this stuff. And they weren't focused on selling this stuff. They'd go, I get this really cool thing if I sell a bazillion of these things. And it's like, 
oh, I got taken to work. And of course you take it in the work and I'll buy your kid stuff. You buy my stuff. I, I dreaded that. I really dreaded that because you knew it happened within the first three or four weeks of school, your kid would come home and they'd be all excited about the things they could win if they become the number one seller in the school. And of course the parents do most of the selling, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> it is. It is. Those fundraisers are not fun. No, no, they're fun for the kids and they're fun for the school because it gets money uh, for the parents. Not so much, but, and I had, I had a policy when I got, I think my kids were, I don't know how old my kids were, but I had a policy. I said, I'm not going to ask any, anyone at work to buy anything. And I'm not going to buy anything from anybody else. That way I'm fair. I'm not saying you buy from me. I won't buy from you. And some people were not pleased with that. I'm like, what's the difference? I give you $10. You give me $10. It, there's no difference. So you take the $10, give it to your school. And that's the way I wound up doing it because where I worked, everyone had kids and everyone's selling candy and wrapping paper and popcorn. And it's like, everyone became to resent that part of the year. Cause you knew it was going to happen. So I just, that's the stance I took. Some people listening to this go, that's mean, but just think about it. If I'm buying 25 bucks from your kid and you're buying 25 bucks from my kid, isn't it a wash? Well, other people took what you said as a golden nugget. Be like, oh, I can actually say no. Yes, <laughs> yes you, you can, can actually say, say no. no. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you know, that's very cool. That's very, very true because a lot of people don't know how to say the word no. It's two letters. No. I, it's something that apparently the, this is not a political co- uh, podcast, but people in Congress can't say the word no. Yes to everything. Um, no. How about saying no? Okay, we got to get back to saying no. And speaking of no, what I want people listening to the show to, to remember is you have the same 24 hours everyone else does. And you can't do everything. Now, you're a mom and you're a wife. I'm an empty nester. I just live with my wife and our three and a half year old, very loving uh, dog. But we're all in different stages of our lives. But nobody can say yes to everything. And I remember one, one time someone told me, when you say yes to something, you are saying no to your future self. When I first heard that, I'm like, whoa, yeah, I guess that's true. Because if you say yes to something, let's say on January 12th, well, you've already taken that time from your January 12th person, your January 12th self, and it's gone. So when your current self gets January 12th, where's my 24 hours? It's already, some of it's already been used up. So be very careful with your yes. I mean, let your yes be yes. But if you can't commit to it for whatever reason, it's better to just rip the bandage off, in my opinion, and tell the person, I'm sorry, but no, I cannot do that. Hey, you listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to MrProductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com. Yeah, and I think we have to remember that when we say no, we're saying yes to ourselves. Yes. And we get to, the word no just gives us as much power as our yes does. It just helps us make the right choice in the endless possibilities of what are my options. We're saying yes to some and no to others. It's just a matter of whether or not it is taking us one step further. So in our journey of being laid off, we get to choose what am I saying yes to? Am I saying yes to going back into a corporate work environment where that's going to be the grind and the hustle and you know I'm going to be working for somebody else's bottom line? Or am I going to say yes? 
yes to the risk on myself that says, let's go try to build something. And if it fails, it fails. But at least I said yes to give it a try and see if we could make this thing work. And uh, so I think, uh, we, yeah, if anything, let's just encourage people to say yes to themselves. So tell us about your book, Roar Back. I love that title, Roar Back. I mean, that is not a a gentle title. It's not like, here, kitty, kitty, very gently, suffer, roar back. It tells me just from those two words that you were not going to just be a reactive person. Uh, you're not going to be someone who says, hey, whatever happens, happens. You were determined to literally roar back. So tell us about that. Yeah. So the book is really about, I mean, it's about the story of my layoff and what happened and how I got through all of that. And realizing that in order to get through some of life difficulties, you have to kind of stand up and be on the offense. And that really meant, I mean, I remember uh, noodling on the title and what to think about it. And I was listening to, I'm a Christian as well. And I was listening to a, a pastor say, he's like, you know, the enemy will not go away unless you roar back at him. And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's the title because he, re I realized that I'm going to be, I'm going to be pinned in a corner. Stuff's always going to be thrown at me unless I figure out how to go on the offense. And so I needed to tap into the voice inside of me, to the confidence inside of me, to the courage inside of me and say, okay, let's dig deep and then send back all the doubts and the anxieties and the fears and kind of say, I'm going to push those back. And the book is all about how I did that. And so ROAR is actually an acronym. I'll give you a little you know, cheat sheet here. Oh. And so R stands for, and what you just laid out right there, responding versus reacting, how to respond to circumstances instead of you know the grumbling and the complaining, because we can get stuck in that instead of the panic, instead of the anger and in grief, like there's the season of grief when I lost my job. So all that that's legit. But I could respond in a health from a healthier place. And I talk about that. And then the O stands for overcoming obstacles. And we, we, it's kind of like when we're learning how to drive, there's all these potholes and someone else is teaching us how to avoid those because they've hit them. And so I'm telling you what my obstacles were along the way so that you can be empowered to overcome those that when you see them coming. And then A is apply, and that's applying lessons from our past seasons. We've all heard that saying, going around the mountain again and again and again. Well, if we go around the mountain again and we make a different choice, then we can overcome that. We can apply the lesson we've learned from the past and says, okay, I'm not going to do it the same way. I'm going to do something a little bit different. And then we can kind of move forward by paying attention to what, what we've been through already. And then the last R is reveal. And this is kind of what I mentioned in the very beginning of realizing that our stories, um, when we reveal our stories to other people, it gives them hope that other people can have breakthrough too. And that's the gist of, you know, why I, why I'm talking to you, Mark, is I want people to hear, hear my story and be like, you know what, I can have hope to get through my layoff. I can have hope to get through whatever struggle I'm in. And you know, and the book talks about way more struggles than just my job loss. Um, so it, it's really, I feel like it's a, it's a toolbox for people to learn how to walk through things and from a, from a mindset of strength and overcoming instead of, you know, a pity party. Cause I very much could have had a pity party. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love, 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 love shortcuts. So many people are trying to go through life, figuring things out on their own and you don't have to. Okay. You don't have to, there are people like you and your book and other people out there who've gone through certain journeys and you would like to get where they are now, instead of you going through the journey, 
you can say, you know what? I'm going to get behind them and follow them on their tailwind. I'm going to co- grab onto their coattails and shorten my journey. So one of the things I recently started doing is Grant Cardone is a major player, two helicopters, private plane, you know, very successful. And I decided I have, I'm done with this webinar over here and this webinar over here and this webinar over here. I'm going to go all in with Grant Cardone for at least the next year. I went to his uh, 10X bootcamp recently and I'm just going all in and I purchased some coaching from him and mentoring ship. They don't call it coaching. They call it mentoring. And I'm going really deep because I think if you go really shallow, with a lot of people, you don't really get served as well as if you go deep with one person and I'm going really deep with him. He is where I want to go. He's the first person I ever heard say, whatever you want to do, if someone else has already done it, you can do it too. So the analogy, he says, if you want to make a million dollars a year, has someone already done it? Yes. So you can too. You want to make a million dollars a month? You think someone's already done it? Yes. So you can do it. You want to make a million dollars a week? I'll guess someone's done it. How about a million dollars a day? Now I'm like, holy crap, really? Someone's already done it. You want to make a million dollars a minute? Somebody has already done it. You want to make a million dollars a second? I don't know if that's been done, but let's start with a million dollars a year. But the point is, is if you, whatever you want to do, listener, whatever you want to do, whether make a million dollars, have a successful YouTube channel, write a book like uh, Sherilyn did. If someone else already did it, and guess what? Sherilyn wrote a book, so you can do it too. If someone has already done it, you can do it too. Now, it may take you some time to learn and to accomplish it, but don't get in the mindset where saying, I can't get rid of the negative self-talk. I can, I'll never, it's not me. Get rid of that stuff and go after your dream because I hate to be the spoiler here, but you only get one life and you might as well live the best life you want to live, the best life that you can live. And we're none of us are lone rangers. We've all done this with other people along our side for support, people who have helped us get out of our negative mindsets. Because what I was hearing when you were talking about all of these potential markers for making a million dollars, somebody had a gut check and was like, what? Like there was a one moment, whether it was the minute, the second, the, you know, the week, whatever it was, at some point, someone said, oh, no. That is the moment when you lean in and say, okay, I don't believe that's possible for me. So whatever that is in our minds, whenever we're faced with something that says, I don't believe that is possible for me, we need to then begin expanding that and say, why not? Mm. What What is bubbling up inside of me that says this is not possible for me? Because when we confront those mindsets, when we confront those limiting beliefs, as they're called, then we can begin to overcome. Because I'll tell you, had it been like a year and a half ago and you know, you and I were messaging about, you and I would have never messaged about being on your podcast because I didn't believe that my voice mattered. I had to get over that. I had to get over that my story mattered. I had to get over all the things in the way to even write the book to begin to say, oh, you know, let's go tell your story on a podcast and a bunch of bunch of different people. I had to get over the ideas that got into my way that said, oh, well, you know, Mark's podcast, you know, he won't have me on. Well, I've just proved that he will. <laughs> so there's something that's bubbling up inside you. If there's something that's bubbling up inside you that says, I can't, I want you to ask what, why not? Mm-hmm. And begin to explore those feelings. Because what I've learned from work in emotional intelligence is 
when we see an emotion bubble up to the surface, first of all, it may not be telling the truth. Secondly, we have it, there may be more than one. Sometimes there's 20 emotions that surface at the same time. And we get to choose, like a surfer, which one of these waves we're going to ride. Am I going to ride the one that's going to cause me to crash and burn and get all, you know, or am I going to wait for the perfect wave and say, you know what, that's the one I'm going to ride. So if we can choose to ride the wave of possibility here, choose to ride the wave of, you know, of how fun it could be to be on a podcast and have a conversation about life experience. Because this is really, I love how you introduced this. You're like, Sherilyn, let's just sit down and pretend we're at Starbucks and have a conversation and someone else is eavesdropping. That's the best kind of conversation ever because there's so many kind of great nuggets that come out of this just with two people sharing experiences. And so there's, I want you to just confront the, you know, I can't. I, just so the listener knows, I don't prepare for these episodes. No scripted questions. I have a piece of paper that's got her name on it so I can write down the notes so I don't have to interrupt her. But that's how I roll. It's completely an organic conversation. I believe that your truest success is on the other side of the thing you fear most. Now, somebody else said it much more eloquently than I had, but it's true. And what I learned, one of the things I learned from the 10X bootcamp is there's two pains in our life. There's the pain that you're going through now. We're all going through some pain now, physically, emotionally, spiritually, something we're going through now. And then there's the pain of success because there are pains that are associated with success. Now, would you rather be pain making $40,000 a year and don't know how to pay a mortgage? Or would you rather have the pain of making $40 million a year? There's pain throughout life. You are not going to live a life pain-free. Anyone says they have no problems in life, they're known as a liar because life will give you pain. One of my favorite quotes is by Steve Harvey. We all know Steve Harvey from Family Feud. I mean, a big, thick mustache. Guy is a fantastic motivational speaker. I love this quote. He says, you will never be successful until you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Let me say that again. You will never be successful unless you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Sherlyn, so many people want to be comfortable. But if you look at all the successful people, Steve Harvey, Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk, Oprah Winfrey, Tim Ferriss, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They didn't get comfortable. They kept pushing themselves into uncomfortableness because that is where they encountered their fear. That's where they busted through their fear. That's how they got to be so successful as they are now. But like I already mentioned, if they can do it, you can do it. Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. Yes, because that's where growth happens. Growth happens on the edge where that says, I am at the end of myself. And so then for, for me, and I think for you too, we tap in to say, okay, God, I can't do this without you. And so when I get into the place of uncomfortability, um, I'm like, okay, now wh what are you asking me? Um, where do I need to grow? Where do I need to shift? Who I need to bring into my life to speak into this? You know, it's, it, it comes from a place that says, I choose to not stay stagnant um, because stagnant is boring. We, we see, we know, and I, I, I think it's boring. <laughs> I can I see too. people who have chosen to not say yes 
to the un- the discomfort to say yes to you know whatever the crazy thing that God is asking them to do to say yes to a bigger larger purpose just because it's going to cost them something it might be have to be a side hustle for a little while it you know it's going to cause be extra work and frankly we're tired it's been a long day we just sat in a lot of traffic but you could have a different life and so to be able to sit there and sit in the vision of what could success look like if I said yes is a very powerful place to just sit in the, just explore what it could look like. And that's one of the beautiful things about what coaches can do in programs that help you with these mindsets can kind of do is kind of say, all right, just picture yourself there. What could that feel like? And I remember when it was like, well, what could it look like if I didn't start work till 10 because I put my kids on the bus and then I sat down to read a book and have, you know, a cup of tea. I don't drink coffee, but, you know, have a cup of tea. And then what would it look like if I stopped by four so that I could be present for my kids' sports? What could that look like if I could actually drive carpool and speak into the lives of these girls that are in my car and be encouraging to them? What could that look like if I said yes to me and said yes to building something that, and then success could look different because we've been talking about money, but sometimes success is peace. Sometimes success is freedom. Sometimes success is, I don't have an employer telling me what I can and cannot do. I don't have, I can take as much vacation as I want. Like sometimes success looks different. Um, I mean, it's, it's for a lot of people, it's money because that's the way it works. But for me, it's, am I living in a place of peace and my life is way less chaotic than it was? And frankly, I'm not sitting in traffic all day long. <laughs> yeah, I, I love what you just shared there because there's a way you can make a very successful business working on your own, ter- own terms. I mean, it's possible. My wife and I go to a Bible study class and I'm the only entrepreneur there, which is really, I never talk about work because they don't get it. Cause they're always asking me, Mark, you're 56. How are you going to retire? I'm like, retire. Why would I want to retire with from something I love to do? I don't, I don't get this. Well, you could play golf whenever you want to. Well, I don't play golf, but even if I did, I could do that now. Well, when we're retired, we can go wherever we want. So can I. And they're like, huh? I'm like, yeah, I don't have a board of directors. I don't have a CEO. I don't have a president. I'm it. And even when I start building out a team, I will be the the El Presidente. I will be El Jefe. Okay. I'm I'm practicing my duolingo Spanish on 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 my podcast. I will be the the big guy. Okay. So I already have that freedom. Zig Ziglar didn't stop speaking until he died. Now I'm not saying I want to die when I'm speaking on stage. Don't misunderstand me. That would be really morbid. Pretty cool, but pretty morbid. But the point is, I don't, I can't imagine not doing what I love, what I do. I love doing it. So the, the point of retirement is, well, put it this way. I love what Seth Godin says, create a life that you don't have to escape from. And I think so many people are more concerned about going to work at eight o'clock, nine o'clock and going to lunch a certain time and leaving and having weekends off and vacations. How about creating a life that you want to live that you want to love, that's going to energize you every day. So many people don't get that. So many people are just, well, I was always told, well, first of all, stop right there. You you already started off on the wrong, wrong foot because you said I was already, t- already told. We're not talking about what you were told. We're talking about what do you want? And I, I think you'd agree with me, Sherilyn, is that people, 
they get caught up into what their parents did, what their friends are doing, what the Rawls is doing, but we're not talking about them. We're talking about the person listening to our conversation. That's right. And I think we do get stuck with, you know, the legacy of, um, but then even jobs don't look the same because, you know, our parents and grandparents may have worked at the same company for 50 years. That is just not the same. There's the turnover is higher. It's every couple of years or, uh, Hey, somebody pinged me on LinkedIn and offered me more money. So I'm going to bounce. Like all of that stuff is real when what's really more fun is we get to live a life that's unexplainable because they're looking and be like, how does Mark have so much time off. He's on vacation again. Or the, I love it when the, when I go out to get something off the um, off the front porch and I'm still in my pajama pants. And people are like, <laughs> "Does she work?" <laughs> yes. It's just that I do most stuff on Zoom, so it doesn't matter what I'm wearing on the bottom. <laughs> yes. I don't need to put on the suit pants anymore. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, you're you're 100 right. I think we need to create the life that we want to live. Now, listener, you may be listening to this podcast and going, Oh, that's good for you. See, I'm glad I have Sherilyn on there because she's got kids and she's got a husband. I, I, I'm an empty nester with my wife. Okay. We're all different, but what I encourage you to do is say, okay, based on what I heard Sherilyn and Mark talk about, what can I do today? Cause Tony Robbins says, when you make a decision, you got to do take some small action to fortify that decision right away. Don't, don't go away from the decision of living life on your own terms without doing something. So maybe that's you pulling out a notebook and writing down at the top, what would I need to do to live the life I want to live? And just brainstorming for five, 10, 15, 25 minutes, do something because there is a way like I'm big on morning routines. And when people say to me, well, I've got kids and I've got a spouse and I got a dog and I got cats and rhinoceros and giraffes and look at don't make excuses. Successful people don't make excuses. What can you do to create a morning routine where you can do your morning routine uninterrupted? Maybe you have to get up early, which means you have to get up, go to bed early. There's ways around it. Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop complaining. Stop dwelling on your problems and instead come up with solutions. You are not going to get to live your life that you want to live by complaining and blaming and moaning and groaning. You're going to have to sit down and go, okay, how can I, here's my situation. How can I solve this? When you get in that mindset, your life is going to change. Yeah, Man, that was I good. Think I would add, that was that good. Is good. Yeah, that was good. Put that on a clip. <laughs> The other thing I think I would add to that is be careful who you circle, you put yourself around yes. because when these things are planted and they're new seeds, they can get trampled really easy. And so to have a group of people who've been there, who, whether it's in your community, whether it's a networking event, whether you connect with Mark or you connect with me, you know, to figure out how can I guard this? Because there's this verse in the Bible that says, do not throw your pearls before swine. Yep. If people do not understand they're going to be the biggest, you know, the reasons of why it won't work. And then you'll be in this place of, well, they said it won't work. So then their voices become your limiting beliefs and you can't go anywhere until you've overcome that. So while it's in its infancy, while it's still on your journaling page, guard it and be careful who you share it with, even your family, even if it's your spouse. I can tell you it was a few weeks, if not months before I told my husband, I felt like God was calling me into something else. And then he had to come on board because he had to see that, number one, I wasn't crazy. 
And then I had to let God speak to him on his own because I do trust that, you know, hey, God, if you can speak to me, you can speak to my husband. So please tell him this is the new direction. And he did. And so we had to really kind of do that. But be careful. Find trusted people who have built a business, who have done this. Start, you know, listening to all these people, the Seth Godins and the Tony Robbins and the Grant Cardones and the, you know, other people that, you know, Mark is mentioning on his podcast and just fill your head full of people who are said, saying it's possible and so they can expand your ability to think that, oh, yes, I can do that and give you tools and resources for how to build it, even if that means your first action is nothing until you get more information. And that's action because that means you're in the process of changing your mindset and changing your thinking about getting in the place of doing it. And I don't think we often spend enough time in evaluating those things and we let the wrong voices come and speak to us. That is pure fire right there, folks. I hope you didn't miss that. You cannot go with your dreams and tell them to dream killers. You can't. You. That's why I never talk to people who are not entrepreneurs, they don't understand all. I have three people, four people in my inner circle who believe in me a hundred percent. Now, two of them are not entrepreneurs, my wife and my aunt, but my mastermind buddy's an entrepreneur and some other person in my life is an entrepreneur. You've got to talk to people who believe in you. Not like Mark, you've been trying to get this off the ground since 2005 because I made a lot of stupid mistakes back then. And I own up on those 100%. I thought the three C's, conferences, coaches, and courses were the, the, were the solution. And I didn't vent anybody. I just start throwing money off. But you, you got to be careful who you talk to. You really and truly do. When my clients come to me, the reason why they enroll in my membership program is they know they can ask me any question. I'm not going to judge them. They can ask the most basic productivity questions on their live calls. I won't go, oh, sure, Lynn, that's a stupid question. It's a safe environment. So you need to be around people whom you feel safe with, who are not going to judge you. So if you are around people that are looking forward to a three-day weekend, looking forward to a week off, who are looking forward to retirement, you might want to, number one, not share your dreams with them because you want people going to cheer you on. And you might want to spend less time with them because the truth of the matter is they're probably not really happy. They think watching Netflix for seven hours on a Saturday or watching football day Sunday, that makes them happy. But are they really happy? Probably not. And so you're hundred percent right. You have to be very careful who you hang around. You want people who are like cheerleaders saying, go Sherilyn, go Sherilyn, go Sherilyn. Not like, why are you working so hard? Why are you working on a Saturday and Sunday? You're on vacation. What are you working? Well, the reason is number one, it's not work. Number two, just because I'm going away on vacation doesn't mean my social media can stop because I won't, I, I've got to be out there still. But I don't do it as a sense of obligations as much as I love doing it. I love serving people. And I my family does not suffer from it. My, my wife gets all the attention she needs. So I'm not neglecting my family. But I'm also not neglecting my following. And I just encourage you to hear what Sherilyn said. And be very careful who you are sharing your news with. If you don't have anybody... You have some big news. Reach out to Sherilyn. Reach out to me because we will not say, hey, 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 slow down. You know, yeah, I know you want to be an author, but whoa, we're not going to do that. We're going to say, yeah, go ahead. Go write it. Go, go, go. That's who you need to hang around with. So before we wrap up, you get the final word here, ma'am. 
You know what? This has been such a wonderful conversation. And I just feel that there's just been so much hope deposited into people. And just let me be, give me encouraged. Your friendship circle is going to change. When you step out into the world of entrepreneurship, you're going to draw people to you just because you said yes. You're going to pe- understand people. You're going to be able to have conversations with people. And then they're going to be like, hey, that's great, but don't get too big too fast. They're going to help you say, hey, let's keep it simple because you might have sketched out this major idea, this massive plan. And they're like, okay, that's wonderful for the vision board for 10 years from now. But let's just remember that it starts in a smaller place because I did that. I did and I tried to create something way too big. I'm writing a workbook to go along with my book so people can kind of do it as a um, as a, a, a personal devotion. And I realized that I was creating it too big. And I was until someone said, why are you doing that? So I had to scrub. I mean, I probably, I probably took out a hundred pages. I mean, you're like a hundred page journal, Cheryl and really, but see, somebody had to tell me and say, Oh, wait a minute. That might be a little bit too big for, you know, a companion book. And so now I, it's a whole lot simpler. And so even then you have people speak into your life that says, Hey, you know, um, and they can kind of hone your vision to help you get there and help you be more productive. I love that. Love how you talked about productivity right at the very end. That was really awesome. So where can we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Yeah. So you can find it on my website, SherilynDecker.com. And then if you do forward slash um, ski, then that's a special place for you guys to get direct access to all of my, um, to, to my book, to um, my coaching programs, to my social media links, because my name is not exactly that easy to spell. So I'm sure Mark will put it in the show notes for you. Now, just for a little note here, because I got to point this out. If you are from the South, ski is spelled S-K-I. The reason why I say that is when I first moved to Houston with my wife, we went to a restaurant and we had to give them the name. So we go wait in the waiting area. And I said, ski party of two. And we're sitting there and she goes, sky party of two. And I saw her write down S-K-I. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I've seen other, heard other people in the South say sky. So not the sky, like where the clouds are. That's with a Y. Now my listeners are all intelligent. Y'all get how to spell ski. Like you water ski or ski down the ski slopes in, in Denver, Colorado. So it's S-K-I. Okay. Just want to point that out to everybody because some people get really confused. Sherilyn, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolute thrill having you here. My pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.